We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking FFPC Playoff Challenge. It's a lineup build episode on Rotoviz Radio. What's up, Rotoviz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick, joined by Dave Cabin. We've been talking about the playoff challenges uh, in our in our private Slack chat uh, for the better part of two weeks, kind of getting amped up here. We teased the contest on the show the other day. So if you're like, man, I didn't listen to anything this week, and what are you guys talking about? Go back and listen to that other episode. We'll talk about the structure and you know figure out why we're excited about this thing. But in uh, in this episode, we're going to take you through uh, one potential process uh, that could make sense for a lineup build. Uh, a little bit maybe more crude than we will use in our individual um, lineups that we submit, but we are going to submit a lineup on behalf of the podcast and walk you through a way you know, to, to go through a process. So this can be pretty exciting. Um, Dave, before I kind of outline what our, our data points were, uh, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good. Um, yeah. I, I'm a little leery though, Curtis. If you remember, we had some flooding in my house on Christmas. Yeah, Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve, and we are currently in the midst of it snowed here a little bit earlier, and now uh, we're apparently going to have rain the rest of the night, and it's warming up. Mm. So all of this frozen snow is going to start to melt. There's going to be mass rain, um, but hopefully we will be making it rain after this playoff ooh, tournament ooh, is done. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, man, I like it. And then then you can call the basement doctor and get it yes. all fixed <laughs> yes. uh, the right way. So, um, hey, let's get a drop and I'll talk about the process. All right. So um, the other night, you know, we talked a little bit about having an accurate uh, or, or having a playoff bracket that you've filled out uh, to identify the number of teams or the number of games per team could be one way to to start to approach uh, player selections and narrowing your player pool to the, you know, reasonable number of players who would have access to you know, two games, three games, four games. For for Dave and I, for this episode, what we've done is we've actually gone to 538. Uh, many of you are probably familiar with this website. It's a big time um, analytics site, not just in the sports realm. They're also, you know, big for, uh, you know, 
political uh, campaign predictions, et cetera, and all their uh, kinds of analytics. Um, but they, <laughs> they really do a, a nice job of displaying probabilities. They use an ELO uh, ratings model in the playoffs and March Madness and stuff like that. So if you're not familiar with it, um, pretty fun site. And uh, so we used their ELO ratings um, for all of the, the teams in the playoffs, and they give us probabilities to make the divisional round, make the conference championship, make the Super Bowl, which, you know, then helps Dave and I come up with an expected games uh, target for each team. You know, obviously each team has one game in the playoffs, but nobody's guaranteed two. Uh, but based off of the, the implied matchups of certain teams advance, you know, then you come up with a percentage of advancing, you know, to each uh, subsequent round. And so Dave and I have uh, expected games per team, which we will outline. We also then took, Dave took, a, a minimum of eight games per NFL team. So there's there's nine games for some teams, eight games for others when you adjust for the Bills and the Bengals not playing uh, in week 17. So we, we effectively took the last half of the season uh, PPR per game and then applied that to the player pool at the expected games per team and arrived with expected points for the contest. And um, Dave, I got to ask, man, is this adjusted yet for tight end premium? And is it adjusted yet for Super Bowl bonus points? It is not adjusted for either of those pieces. So you actually make a good point there. So actually maybe I should quickly drop in and adjust this for tight end premium. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, and if, then I think the, so, the Super Bowl piece, you know, that we'll arrive at that as we discuss. Yes. So, so do me a favor yeah. here. Um, filibuster for filibuster. about <laughs> three minutes. Yeah, that's fine, man. That's fine. Uh, yep. I want to talk about this pool a little bit. Let's, let's just outline the probabilities for each squad. So people kind of understand what's going into the expected games model. Uh, Five thirty-eight has the Philadelphia Eagles with the highest uh, probability of making the Super Bowl at 48%, followed by the Chiefs at 44%. You're typically going to see this in any playoffs model with the one seeds because obviously there's one you know, there's one game uh, fewer uh, where they are, are at risk for losing and being eliminated from the tournament. Um, however, I should note the Bills are, are right there, man. They're at 36% which starts to weigh in pretty heavily when you think about player selection. So the Bills, the most likely team in the entire tournament to have a fourth game, we're going to have to really consider that, um, obviously because of the power up top that they have in Josh Allen, and then also uh, to a lesser degree, Stephon Diggs. And what is the interchangeability of those two pieces versus uh, you know pieces on other teams that uh, could also have a path to four games? The 49ers, um, with the second highest uh, likelihood of a fourth game at 26%, followed by the Bengals at 14%, Cowboys at 11%, Vikings at 9%, Jags and Bucks at 3%, Chargers and Giants at 2%, Ravens at 1%, and the Seahawks and Dolphins coming in with a less than 1% chance of four games, which I think is to be expected. You know, the way they, they lay this table out, though, you know, we also have... Um, you know, probability of, of three games and, and two games as well. And, you know, that's obviously more um, Im important for those teams in the, in the bottom half of, of the tournament. And we'll come into play when we're thinking about, you know, who are hard fades, who are soft fades, and then how do we adjust for squads where, Hey, if they did have the upset, you know, 
what would a, a potential matchup look for like for this player if they advance in a surprise fashion? Uh, are we making sure that we have enough access to some ceiling um, in the event that we pick some games wrong? So, Dave, did I give you enough time for the tight end premium adjustment, sir? Uh, you did. However, I can very easily layer in a way to address the Super Bowl for the extra points for players in the Super Bowl. Um, okay. I don't have okay. that currently, but... it's uh, fine. If you gave me talk. another three minutes, I could. Well, let's just do that. Okay. So, uh, Dave came up with a straw man core uh, for us to build this initial lineup for the podcast around. Um, it was obviously just kind of rough sorting by expected points at um, three of the positions where there was a, a kind of a clear number one. And, you know, Christian McCaffrey is by far and away the RB one when it comes to expected points um, in this, in this tournament. And so he's, he's in this model, Travis Kelsey, uh, actually only has a slight edge over Kittle in the PPR model. We'll have to see what that adjustment looks like in tight end premium. I'm going to guess that, you know, Kelsey's Kelsey's receptions may be higher than Kittle's, but you know, Kittle has all that touchdown upside, but we've got Kelsey penciled in at tight end. And then currently Josh Allen penciled in at quarterback. Uh, His expected points are higher than Jalen hurts on the strength of the fourth game, even though hurts did have higher uh, per game average over the, the part of the season that we used for the sample, but you know, then obviously, you know, what kind of adjustment are Dave and I making in our heads for the fact that Hertz isn't really healthy. You know, he threw the ball. Okay. But didn't really run was really sore after week 18. Now he's got another week off. Hasn't really played that much in the last month. (coughs) Do we feel like his ceiling is as high um, as Josh Allen in in the games that he's going to be playing? That's something we'll have to talk about. So we've got a core that we're going to, we're going to fill out a round of Josh Allen at quarterback, Christian McCaffrey at running back and Travis Kelsey at tight end. So we're going to need to pick another running back, two wide receivers. we got four flex positions we can play with here. And then um, soft fades of uh, kicker and defense, obviously. Yes. And I am still not quite there um, as I realized that I had made an error. So I'm going to pose a question to you (laughs) right now. Um, out of the lower level teams, such as Jacksonville, um, the chargers, maybe even the giants, which one of those teams do you think has the most realistic chance in your mind or has players on it that you think might be worth making some adjustment in your mind to try to get them into a lineup by thinking that they could be a team that surprises and gives these players more games than we would expect. Sure. Uh, I think that's a a great question. I think, you know, most notably you have to look at the Buccaneers because, um, you know, even though their, their offense has been spotty throughout the year, you know, we have seen a pretty high floor and regular access to, you know, around a 20 point weekly output from Chris Godwin. I mean, you know, he was just an absolute monster of opportunity uh, over the second half of the season. And then, you know, you've got just crazy upside week to week with Mike Evans so, you know, the, I think the Bucks are a team where, you know, yeah, they're the, the higher seed than the Cowboys. That's a really interesting first round game, given the Cowboys, um, I, I guess, uh, history of, of choking early in the playoffs, you know, had the early exit last year. I, I don't think the Bucks are a team where, you know, you want to go kicker or defense. You've got to get an offensive skill player. Um, so that's, you know, that's the first note. 
I think that the Chargers and the Jags, you know, you would put into that same boat. I think either one of those teams could win that game. And those offenses have enough week to week upside where you're, you're probably going to want to pick an offensive skill player. I think where you get into uh, where you get into some risky territory here is with the, the Ravens, Giants, Seahawks and Dolphins. Now, I mean, I don't feel good about the Ravens or the Dolphins having a chance to get past that first round. But I think both the Giants and the Seahawks, I mean, more so the Giants, it's just, they, that's a squad where, you know, they're coached extremely well. Um, they, they've already outperformed expectations in terms of talent on the roster, but they're coached well. Daniel Jones seems to have leveled up. You know, they're getting... Um, pretty good play from the defense. They're playing a turnover prone uh, quarterback in the first round. And it just seems like a team that could, could have the confidence building, you know, if they, if they get that first victory, and it's, it's not the same type of team, but in, in some ways the trajectory feels similar to the Jaguars and in, in that they're, they're kind of outperforming expectations. And it's like, I wouldn't really want to play that team. Um, the giants are just a little trickier because there's not as many players on that offense to be excited about. You know, it feels like a team where all right, maybe this is a kicker or a defense squad. The Seahawks, I think, are, are a squad that scares me because you could just go hard fade in a, in a script where, you know, the Niners just trounce them. But if they were to win a game in advance, you know, I think Kenneth Walker could have some intrigue if they once they make it past that first game. Um, they become a team that's more interesting based off of the, the the matchups down the road for the running game. But then, you know, I mean, Metcalf, you know, and, and we got to look at the what the situation with Lockett would be. Um, those are all players that would have some some interest to them. But you know, we're, you know, the nature of this contest is you can't play a skill player from every team, and so we're going to have to make some of those hard choices. Um, I think if I'm if I'm drawing a line in the sand around any of those squads, it's I think I would really want to make sure that we have a skill player from the Bucks, and beyond that, we're going to have to negotiate. All right, I think that that is um, a pretty fair breakdown. The Bucks definitely have some interesting options right there. I have now made the adjustment. Uh, I'm sending this over to you now. So the numbers that we're going to be talking about are going to be based on the expected games. The player's PPR average or the FFPC scoring average from week 10 on and points from the Super Bowl have the bonus where they are doubled. Those are the assumptions. Look at this guy. Just just creating new tools on the fly. I only had to talk for like eight minutes and now we've got a great model. So so Dave, um, you know, I, I told the listeners that we were we were looking at a core of Allen, McCaffrey, and Kelsey. Yep. Now that you've you've thrown this in the model, does that look does that still look correct? And are, are we on to talking about the the unfilled slots at this point? Well, I think one interesting thing that we're going to see here, Curtis, and it's funny because you and I were kind of talking about what things could look like if we had if I'd had the time to run this through an algorithm that would kind of look through this and like solve for the way to optimize the points. But we now have a distance between Allen and Hertz of just six points. And then if you look at somebody like Diggs versus Devonta Smith, it's only a five-point gap. Um, I don't know if I'm addressing your question directly, but I, I think that we'd actually might even need to go back and look at this core 
a little bit more now. Um, Travis Kelsey gets to 53 points, still comes in behind Allen Hurts, Mahomes, Burrow, and McCaffrey. And one thing that I want to mention here is that until you go through and you look at those expected games, it might be easy to underemphasize the additional expectation that you might have for players that are on Buffalo than those that you would have for Kansas city and Philadelphia. And the reason that this is, is because Buffalo has fairly similar odds. As I believe you mentioned to Kansas city of making the super bowl, but they have that one more built in game. So as a result of that, even though Kelsey on a points per game basis in this tournament, if he got to the super bowl would, you know, probably be by and large, um, you know, outscoring just about everybody else. The fact that you have a smaller chance of him being able to play four games, obviously, than you do some of these other players. He doesn't. He doesn't score quite as well. Yeah. Okay. So I think the the first decision point, if we're going to try to lock in the quarterback, is it's really you know what's the opportunity cost to play in Josh Allen? Well, you can't yep. play Stephon Diggs. You know if you play Hurts, you know obviously we can't play. You know we can't play. Devonte Smith or AJ Brown, who are, you know, valued pretty similarly in the tournament. But I think that actually puts me on to the next point, which is, you know, over, over a, a three game sample, if, if just one of those receivers were to be hotter than the other and you select wrong, you know, that's, you're going to be punished uh, for that to the point of potentially taking yourself out of the running. However, if the Eagles make a Super Bowl run, win the Super Bowl, and we talked about this a little bit earlier in the week in the other episode, it's likely going to be on the back of Hertz. Now it's probably not going to be on just Hertz's arm. If they really do go do that, it's probably going to mean he's running, he's doing his stuff. And you know, that's how the Eagles are getting it done. So part of me thinks, you know, the, the, the easier path to that double points game for Hertz is more attractive than the tough road, the, the tough road that the Bills will have, of of most likely probably playing Cincinnati and then KC on the on the way to the Super Bowl. I mean, that is just a really hard road uh, to travel with two two good teams that you know in any given week could beat them. The NFC feels much weaker, and the Eagles have just been purely dominant all year. So I I kind of agree with you, and it's so much more difficult to pick uh, to pick an Eagles receiver or even consider, you know, Goddard, I guess. So I, I, I would rather almost let's pivot to Hertz. Cause I think Allen is going to be by far the most highly rostered quarterback. Let's pivot to Hertz and then go Diggs, who yep. we would still expect to smash as the, the clear alpha in the receiving game for the bills. And I mean, as crazy as it sounds, even just that s- subtle tweak might differentiate the team just a little bit. I would expect that Hertz and Diggs is a is a less common combination than Allen and either one of the the Eagles receivers. Yeah, I would definitely be inclined to agree with that. I think even if you didn't have some of the injury concerns surrounding Hertz, people would still be more inclined to go the path where you're going to have Allen because it feels a little bit more comfortable. Okay, so that changes this initial core, this penciled-in core. We actually have added a player to it because we settled the Eagles-Bills debate. So we've got Jalen Hurts, 
Christian McCaffrey, Stefan Diggs, and Travis Kelsey. We're good with that. And now we're going to build around it. Definitely. Okay. So let's, you know, we know that we have to select another running back. Why don't we look at the rest of the running back position and then kind of do the same exercise looking at, you know, the interchangeability of, of the player field. Sure. So if I, why don't I focus just here? I'm, I'm just going to filter just for running backs. Um, as we have said, you have McCaffrey at 61 points. Behind him, you have Jarek McKinnon at 44. Of course, for us, he's not going to be an option. Devin Singletary coming in at 39 for us wouldn't be an option. Tony Pollard at 37. Other players in that zone, you would have Mixon, uh, funny enough, Samaje Pirine, and then Miles Sanders at 31, Austin Eckler at 30, of course, in just that single game. Okay, so this is where you start talking about how far a team might advance, what's the upside of a, a particular uh, position, et cetera. You know, you mentioned Pollard. I think in a scenario, in a, in a one and done scenario, I could see, you know, preferring Pollard maybe, but because, you know, and even, even though we've selected the Bucks as maybe an upset special over the Cowboys here, yep. you know, the, the Cowboys in, in the, in the 538 model anyway, um, you know, uh, they've got a 60% chance of, of advancing past that first round, which is, you know, uh, not too shabby. And if, if you're going to tell me that I get two games from the Cowboys and we know we're going to select a skill player from that squad, I mean, I think I'm inclined to go CD Lamb there. So that takes Pollard out of the pool for me. Um, I don't know about your thoughts there. If, it, if, it, if you agree, then we can actually, based off of that logic, put Lamb into the, one of the wide receiver spots and then continue with the discussion at running back too. Yeah. I think that I, I like that pivot and I, a, just because I, I like what I'm seeing for lamb, but also I think um, there's other, other ways that we could address the running back that I, that I, I like. So let's go the ahead and make thing that is, move. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, Tampa's just been, you know, pretty difficult. Um, against the run. And if the, if the Cowboys do go one and done, I just think it's unlikely that one of the running backs is what you're going to have wanted in that game. Sure. Okay. So, so you mentioned Eckler. I mean, I think Eckler, I mean, like, I mean, he was the fantasy MVP this year. Right. I mean, and you know, if the chargers advance past the Jags, I mean, to not, to not have two games from Austin Eckler, I think would be painful. I think the only way you can, you can not go Eckler here is if, if you really felt some conviction, the Jags were going to get the second game and not the, the chargers. And Sean talks about this with some supporting good supporting evidence in his article on the site. Um, you could see a situation where maybe just Keenan Allen ends up being the one game optimal uh, for the chargers. Cause he's been really good actually pacing right there with Eckler over the last handful of weeks. So I don't know if either one of us has arrived at much conviction on that game. Um, you know, 538 says Jags 59% chance of advancing. I don't, you know, it's slightly better than a coin flip. I don't know if, if you have a strong lean on Eckler, if you don't, that then pushes us onto Keenan Allen for one of the flex spots, or, you know, we could go ahead and say that Eckler's the RB two here. And then, you know, we move to other teams and other positions. I am of the opinion that of the games played in round one, this is the one that I have the least handle on. 
I think it's very possible that we see um, a deviation from what you might expect from some of these models. In this case, getting two games out of Eckler would be absolutely awesome. Um, when you look at the rest of the options that are maybe going to be available to us, I don't think that there's many players on um, Jacksonville, for example, that I have much interest in getting into the lineup. If I look at the other running backs that we could pivot to right now, I'm not really seeing many players that I'm interested in. So I feel kind of like this decision's almost made for us and that this is the way to move here and, and definitely lock in Eckler. Yeah, I mean, the only other thing would be is if if we wanted to if we wanted to be using only wide receivers and tight ends in our flex mm -hmm. positions, you could argue that, all right, well, maybe there to to get off the chalk a little bit, you know, maybe you you do not go Eckler here, you go Allen to protect against maybe that one game out scenario, and then and then you maybe look at, you know, I guess it would be Saquon Barkley would be the only other option here. Uh, really in the in the pool with that position right right i would agree with that but so or, I, or, or maybe even etn maybe even right. ETN. but so i guess one thing we do have to talk about though is with the way that this tournament works curtis right the spots that you're going to have on your roster and i'm sure we've mentioned this but i'm just going to say it again just to kind of uh point something out here right you have four flex spots two running back spots two wide receiver um tight end place kicker dst quarterback obviously there's no bench spot. So it's not like you need to do anything where you consider with your flex taking extra for any of those positions. As the tournament moves on, you are inherently going to have some players fall out of your yeah. roster. Um, and as a result of that, we would be completely fine going all wide receivers or all wide receiver tight ends, you know, whatever have you in the flex. I just wanted to point that out in case anybody hasn't played in this format before. Yeah, I mean it's basically a guillotine style, yeah, uh, guillotine style thing. So I, I was looking at um, one thing that's cool uh, uh, on the site is you know on the NFL Stat Explorer we do have um, the matchup analysis tab populating for the playoff games. Yep. And so I was just looking at the one week scenarios for for Saquon Barkley, Travis Etienne, and and, and Austin Eckler. You know what have the last five looked like against that opposing defense? It's actually pretty darn even. Um, the average PPR output by the opposing teams, uh, fantasy RB1, really kind of being in that thirteen high 13 to 15 PPR point range for all three of these guys. Yep. Dave, a couple of weeks ago, Saquon did hang 27.3 on New York. Mm. Or uh, on, on, on Minnesota. Uh, on, on Minnesota, rather. Yes. On, on Yeah, he didn't hang that on his own team, obviously. That, that would have um, been interesting, Dave, yes. <laughs> that, that would be pretty good. Um, yeah, he did score 27.3 against... Minnesota, um, so I, you know, may, maybe Minnesota will say he's the only thing that can take us down. We're going to focus in there, but you know, in that game, you know, he had the rushing touchdown. He had eight receptions for forty-nine yards. I think it may have been his his best receiving game of the entire season. So that is kind of interesting to me. Looking at you know the single game scenario, if the Giants don't make it past, if they if Giants don't make it past Minnesota and they're in a trailing script the idea that Barkley would get all of these checkdowns, you know, I think he's the natural choice. He's the natural choice for New York, which doesn't necessarily push us off of, of Eckler, but if Barkley really is the choice for the giants, then you get in other than maybe a kicker or a defense. If you wanted to go that route, 
it would give us the optionality of not having to play Eckler if we wanted to if we wanted to get some variance there. I see what you're saying. Um, and I think the other piece of it is that's probably second on the list of games that I could personally see going either way that I have the least conviction about um, mm-hmm. in the first round. I offer you this, though. I actually think that maybe we hold off on choosing between Eckler and Barkley right now until we've worked through some of the other spots. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. How do you, do you want to just, do you want to punt on the skill player discussion and, and try to nail down the kicker defense first? Or are you saying, Hey, let's go get the highest upside I'm saying, in our flex and then come back to it. Right. I, I'm saying, let's see if we start working through the other positions, if we really would have any interest on, getting in um, like anybody else on New York or anything like okay. that as we start filling it out. Um, Cause I think that we're good with, with those two options there um, at wide receiver. I would imagine that a name that's probably going to come up here as a possibility would be Justin Jefferson would be somebody you'd want to talk about. Uh, obviously Jamar chase would be somebody that you'd want to talk about. And one of the reasons you'd want to talk about chase too, is among wide receivers. Um, he comes in at wide receiver three. You have Cincinnati expected to go for uh 2.32 games, which is one of the third highest total, I believe among teams. And they still have a 15% chance of making the super bowl, um, which gets him to 51 points right behind Diggs as the uh, wide receiver too. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to imagine uh, the Bengals not making it past the Ravens. Chase just put up an 886-1 line against uh, the Ravens last week. Um, and, you know, obviously, and I mean, his week-to-week upside is just, you know, through the roof. I, I think he's the natural choice there. Um, you know, the I don't think that I could really get myself onto... T Higgins here. Uh, you could maybe say, all right, well, if you think that the bills are definitely winning that second game, you know, is, is there something to the idea of, of maybe playing Mixon here instead? Yep. Um, I think that's the only other Bengal that we would, because we're not, not going to be on burrow because we've already selected Hertz. So to me, the Bengals decision would really be Mixon versus chase. And it, and it, right. If we think, that we're up in the air on Cincy versus Buffalo as the most likely second round matchup. Or if we think that um, if we had conviction on Cincy continuing to get past Buffalo, I think chase definitely becomes the, the pick. If we thought that since he was definitely a two and done at best, I think it could make some sense to, to pick Mixon since he probably will be the, the second most highly owned Bengal rather than the first. Mm, that is pretty interesting. Um, This is a tough one. I mean, if you look at the odds, right, of making the conference championship, you have 32% for the Bengals, 63% for the Bills, making the Super Bowl, 36% for Buffalo, 15% for Cincy. Um, Winning that... I mean, so based based off of those those uh, 
It does certainly favor this prediction. It, look, it looks like the Bills are going to be a heavy favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a heavy favorite in the yellow rating um, uh, model here. Yep. So, um, so, so by that rationale, you know, at best that game's a toss up. You know, I, I'm fine just going with who we'd prefer to to play, um, which I think we would both select as as Chase. Chase. Yeah. All right. Let's do that. So we got Shamar Chase. So tell All us right. our our current lineup here. We got Hertz. We've got Hertz, McCaffrey, Lamb, Diggs, Chase, and Kelsey. So we've got a running back slot, three flex spots left, uh, a kicker, and a defense. Okay. All right. Um, are there any players that have stood out to you in your mind as ones that you would definitely want to get in that we have not addressed their team yet? It's it's at this point. I mean, and even with the Bengals, like I'm saying, I, I think we've we've got players from all the teams that I feel, you know, really strongly that could go deep in the tournament. You know, yep. the, the Eagles, the Niners, the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals. I mean, those are the teams that I like the best from a Super Bowl odds perspective. And we've got key players on each of those squads. At this point. Like we're, we're definitely, and even already in talking about, about the Bengals, you know, we were already getting into, well, what if they lose in the second round? Is there, is there a play to make, you know, for a secondary player there? All of these other teams, I think we're in that situation. So, you know, you mentioned Jeff, Justin Jefferson, as we maybe talk about the Vikings for a second, we've already said, we think that game could maybe go either way. Jefferson's the natural choice for the Vikings but in a one or two game scenario, I don't think it's crazy to think that TJ Hawkinson could outscore him. Um, he's put up some crazy, crazy games this year. And we do have the tight end premium format. I think that's going to be a, definitely a really interesting way to get some leverage on the field is to fade Jefferson. Because I, I think most people are they're just going to, I mean, they're going to, He's like an auto pick. You know, so plug it, him in. He's probably going to be over sixty percent. If we if we do that, what are we doing as far as Kansas City goes? Well, I mean, I think you'd be playing Hawkinson in a flex here. Okay, Hawkinson I don't think in a flex. It, okay, I, yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it would change what we do with Kelsey. Yeah. So so maybe maybe we ought to dig in here, since we think the Giants Vikings could go either way. Let's use this. Let's use the the matchup analysis. Um here to look at at the trends against the Giants uh, by wide receivers and by tight ends. And we also know that the GLSP loves Hawkinson this week. Yes, we did. Yes, we reviewed that the other day. Now, these teams did just play a couple weeks ago. I think it was on Christmas Eve. Jefferson went 12-133-1 for 31.3 points. But I think Hawkinson also went off in that game. I thought he did too. I thought he had two touchdowns. Yeah, we talked about that. I think he 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 did have two touchdowns. He had a, he had thirteen receptions. Wow, for one hundred and nine yards and two touchdowns. He outscored Jefferson in, in traditional PPR. I mean, he would have had another six and a half points in, in tight end premium that week. That was a forty plus point output for Hawkinson. So yeah, therein lies my point. Um, you know, if if you look at the trends against the position in general, though, Hawkinson was definitely an outlier there. Yep. Now, the 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 Giants haven't played many other super talented tight ends uh, in the past five weeks, you know, which is how this model's built. Um, Dallas Goddard did have six receptions for 46 yards, which would have been good for 
13.6 PPR, you know, that's probably something of a floor for Hawkinson in this situation. They didn't allow, you know, Logan Thomas or uh, Jelani Woods to do anything against them. However, when you look at uh, the wide receiver position against the Giants, it's a little bit of a different story. Opposing wide receiver ones are averaging 19.8 PPR against this team over the last five weeks. That obviously is anchored by Jefferson's 31-point game, but we see Devontae Smith with 17.4, uh, Jahan Dotson with 20.5, even Michael Pittman in the anemic Colts offense, you know, he managed 16.1. So, you know, I think the odds are certainly in Jefferson's favor to outscore Hawkinson, um, even though, you know, we think that, you know, there's scenarios where, where Hawkinson could outscore him. It, it really comes down to, Dave, uh, I think a two-game scenario, Eileen Jefferson, if, if we want to go, if, if we want to say the Giants are going to upset the Vikings, I think it would pay for us to select Hawkinson here just to be different. Yeah, I don't have any problem with that. Um, also, I took a quick look in the um, passing game matchup Raider. While we were talking about this, no surprise, we see KJ Osborne, Justin Jefferson, and TJ Hawkinson all landing in the top 10 of ratings this week on the heels of that earlier game where they all smashed. Um, or Actually, I don't really recall how Osborne did, but point is taken there. I don't really mind doing that. I also think, you know, even though we're trying to keep this line up here um, somewhat grounded in these certain expectations that you might have and some of the, the you know, the simple model that we have here, I kind of like having some degree of a pivot off of what we expect yeah. people are going to do. Well, we we both think that the Niners over the Seahawks is a, a near lock. Yep. So the Vikings second round is almost certainly going to be against uh, on the road against the Niners. So if we start thinking about if we want to go one layer deeper, yep. thinking about that game and what teams are doing against the Niners, you know, maybe that would uh, break the tie for us here on these two players. Because I don't think either one of us would pick the Vikings to upset the, the Niners in that scenario. So if we look at what the Niners are allowing to opposing uh, wide receivers, you know, they've been similarly kind to opposing wide receiver ones. And, and it typically has been the opposing wide receiver one that's getting the production too, which I think is is key. So Devontae Adams hung 34.3 on them. Recently, uh, Dotson, who we had just talked about, had 19.6 against them within the past five weeks. Uh, A.J. Green in a game where you know, we didn't see a lot of the firepower from the Cardinals and the Niners are a little bit on cruise control, uh, did score 18.1 on the back of a really long uh, kind of broken play uh, for the Cardinals um, last week. So, you know, wide receivers certainly finding a way to get it done. And when you really add it all up, I mean, the Niners have actually allowed the sixth most, most PPR uh, points to opposing wide receivers over the past five weeks. I don't think that we can ignore that. Let's look at the situation for uh, the tight ends, though, and what the Niners are allowing to that position. And I think that can get us where we need to be. Okay, so they allowed 16.2 PPR to Darren Waller. It would have it would have been 17.7 in tight end premium. Uh, they allowed 14.2, and it would have been 16.7 to Noah Fant, and really no other tight end production over the past five weeks. You know, we probably note that those are the only two good tight ends they played over the past five weeks. Um, but they're, you know, they were allowing uh, an average of between 12 and 13 tight end premium points to a, a opposing tight end ones. So, you know, looking at that with both Jefferson and Hawkinson having similar 
upside, I think, and demonstrated upside against a common opponent of the Giants uh, this week. But with Jefferson having a better a better chance uh, of success based off of recent games against the Niners. And then if you start thinking, okay, what if the crazy thing happens and Purdy just turns into a pumpkin and the Vikings go on the road Mm -hmm. and win that game. I think if we get out to three games, you know, you'd prefer to have had Jefferson in your lineup. So let's go with Jefferson um, instead of getting cute here uh, based off of that analysis. Are you okay with that? I am okay with that. Okay. So we've got a running back two slot, two flexes, our kicker and defense left. We are starting to really have narrowed down the teams. Um, we still can select from Tampa Bay, Miami, Seattle, uh, the Chargers, the Jags, and the uh, the Giants and Baltimore. Those are the remaining squads that we have. Yeah. So what I would like to offer up here is, so Chris Godwin gets a 68 pass in the passing game matchup Raider. This week largely makes him the best option. Also scores very strongly in this week's GLSP. It likes his odds of finding the end zone. I would like to offer up Chris Godwin here as the player on Tampa Bay. I like it. I think I think he is the... I mean, Evans has more upside probably in any given week because of the touchdowns. But I think if, if we think the Bucks get multiple games, if there's a chance of that, the more games they play, I think the more likely it is that Godwin is the optimal Buccaneer. I'm totally yep. fine with that. Yeah. All right. So I think we could pencil him in there. So that eliminates the Bucks, um, and that was that was the last team that we felt like, you know, maybe there's a stronger chance of of that second game. Kind of both, kind of liking them in this matchup against the Cowboys. We, we're right back, man. We're right back to this Jags Chargers conundrum. Yep. And uh, so we've got the Jags Chargers game we needed a side on, and then we've got uh, the Ravens, the Giants. Uh, the Dolphins and Seattle to select from. So there's going to be two teams yep. that we don't select from, two teams we're only going to be taking kicker and defense. Uh, so there's only two more skill players we can fit into this lineup. So I think we'd be looking at... I'm almost thinking that you actually make a pivot here. You drop in Saquon at running back, Keenan Allen at wide receiver, and then we figure out what we're going to do at kicker and DST with the balance. So, yeah. So if we do that, then so if we, this is the real thing here. So it kind of comes down to. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Selecting, selecting a winner in, in the Chargers-Jags game. Yep. And then, then deciding whether we think there's a greater chance of us being wrong on Vikings-Giants than than Jags chargers, because I think that that discussion is what pushes us from skill, skill player to, to either defense or DST or, or or kicker on the other, on the other squad. So you just told me that you feel like the chargers are the pick over the Jags uh, with, with the comment, I think. No, I'm thinking if I was thinking that it was clearly more chargers over Jags, I would have gone Eckler. Okay. But, but you said Barkley, and Allen, which would mean that we'd be selecting. I was thinking Allen for a two-game ch- Jags team. If if the Jags get two games, we do not want to take their defense or their kicker. Okay, okay, take, yes, we yes, take yes. Skill player. Um. So so we're gonna have to fade the Chargers or the Giants for offensive skill players. Right. Oh boy, it doesn't feel very attractive to me. That that is the situation that we're in, my friend, and that's why this that's why this contest is so fun. Um, All right, so so it, it, if it makes you feel any better, it would be so much harder if the Dolphins had Tua. At I know, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, All so right. it it would be even more wide open. Well, I think that we should go here off of I I would like to go off of the probabilities here, and I'm going to go with the probabilities as outlined by five thirty eight. And I'm going to say that it's more likely that we see the, well, it's more likely that we see the Chargers win than we do the Giants. So let's, let's throw this out too. Okay. The, 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 and it's, I mean, this is just, it's too perfect, man. You can't make it up. The Jags and the Giants both have implied team totals of 22.5 this week. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> which is, I mean, okay. So if you're trying to, if you're trying to chase touchdowns for a team or a player that's going to lose and the, the game totals for these games are only separated by a half point, <laughs> a oh, half boy. point, man. So, so they've yeah. got the chargers with, with a, a, a t- implied team total of 25 and the Vikings at 25 and a half. The key difference here being that Minnesota is at home against um, the underdog giants Whereas the Jags have the same implied team total as the Giants, but the Jags will be playing at home. So if if you want to say like, and, and maybe that's what's going in. Yeah. I mean, may, maybe the layering that on top of the five thirty eight model, it's like if we're not sure about it, you know, we maybe we err on the side of the more likely upset, you know, coming from a home team than an away team. You know, the 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 the, the Chargers going all the way out to the East Coast to play in this game, you know probably doesn't bode well for them. Right. Okay. So, 
So I, I'm fine. I think I'm fine with that. It took me an extra two minutes to get there <laughs> than it did for you. So uh, it, it looks like we'll be, we'll be fading the, the giants offense and selecting two, um, selecting two skill players from the chargers uh, Jag team. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, and I forget. Okay. So, and, and you're saying, and you're saying you want to go with the 538 here. Yep. Which, which says the Jags get a second game and the Chargers do not. Right. So, so let's look at those Jags players. Right. So you have Trevor Lawrence, who is at 42 for anybody that really wants to mix things up. Uh, you have Evan Ingram at 27 in the expected points model we have going here. Zay Jones at 26, Christian Kirk at 25, and Travis Etienne at 18. Okay, so the, if if our bracket, as we've designed it, plays out, um, this squad, w- you know, the Jags would be going to play the Chiefs, um, and and so would the Chargers, for that matter, if if we pick the game wrong here. So we need to look at the Chiefs as, um, you know, a potential way to decide yes. uh, which skill player uh, we would want to select here. It will be difficult because that modeling is not built for uh, the matchup analysis tab with the chiefs being on by, but I could go back and look at the strength of schedule app probably. And derive yeah. some well, things. also so me, if it, I can take a quick second. look in the uh, passing game matchup Raider here too, which I have open just by looking at the thresholds tab, I can get an idea of how favorable they've been in recent games. So Kansas city against wide receivers has been relatively middle of the road, although top 48 wide receivers are putting up a decent amount of points uh, actually against the team coming in at 16.8 across the last nine or so games, which is actually the eighth most favorable against tight ends. They have been pretty stingy. So you probably would be more inclined to go with one of the receivers than you would uh, Ingram, for example. So the question would really be if we if we saw a nice road for ETN, if we would consider him. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's... I think the Jags are going to have a pretty even distribution when you think about it. I think you can make cases for either of the two main wide receivers in Jones and Kirk you know, ETN and Ingram, you know, all those guys are kind of have some equal appeal. We can look back to week 10 at what happened in that game uh, between the Jags and the chiefs, you know, the chiefs won 27, 17. Uh, You know, this was actually the first game of kind of the, the downslope for ETN. ETN had been running hot coming into that game. Uh, He had three straight performances of greater than 20 PPR. They play the chiefs. He has just 10.3 points in that game. Uh, just 9.9 expected points in that game. If we go back and look at Christian Kirk and Zay Jones uh, in that same contest, uh, Christian Kirk, 20.9 expected points, exploded for 31.5 PPR uh, with a 9.105 two-touchdown line against the Chiefs uh, in that contest. And I think Zay Jones had more of a a, a chain-moving role in that game of memory serves, I'm pulling it up right now. Yep. Uh, did have 14.8 uh, PPR. Yeah. He had eight receptions for 68 yards. So 
I'm not to say that it couldn't swing the other way. Kirk definitely was the high performing Jag uh, in their earlier matchup this year. I'd like to sit here and make a case for Zay Jones. Although if part of the reason that we're adding in uh, the Jaguars here is the idea that we could get two games from them, then I think that I would feel much better about Kirk having more upside along those two games and would, would want to go in his direction. Yeah. The, uh, it's funny because like in that second game, it looks like, you know, wide receivers really way to go in the first game. I'm not so sure. I mean, yeah, the chargers, the chargers are really tough matchup. Yep. They're a really tough matchup for wide receivers. And, you know, if we, if we look at the tight end and, and running back performances again, against them, they're equally stingy to the tight end position. I mean, I think it's for, for the one week scenario in the event that we're wrong on the Jags, you know, ETN getting some check downs. Uh, you know, I think he could be potentially be the high score, even in a one and done scenario, but you know, the chargers have given up, I mean, three 100 yard rushers in the past four weeks, you know, they, they gave up 104 and then 59 receiving yards to Derrick Henry four weeks ago at Cam Akers had 123 rushing yards on them. Uh, Latavius Murray, uh, 103 in a rushing touchdown against them. You know, so so I think we've eliminated Evan Ingram with him having two kind of back-to-back tough matchups um, here. It, it really comes down to Kirk and ETN. I, I'm, I'm finding I might be myself wanting to, to lean to ETN. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm cool with that. Okay. So we're going to go ETN here at running back two. That's going to give us one more spot to pick here. It's a flex spot, and we're going to be... We're, we're right back where we started a half hour ago, man. Keenan Allen versus Austin Eckler. That's the decision. It's a big decision. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, yeah, it's huge, man. Uh, it's huge. It it's, is it's just a, a big decision. All right. Do well, we, do we feel like we have, do we feel like there are any players in this lineup where that have given us any leverage? I mean, I think. Hertz is a little bit of it's a it's a little leverage. It might not be a lot a lot of leverage. I yep. don't think he's going to be the the number one owned um, or rostered QB. Um, you know, see, it's hard to know who the 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 most rostered cowboy will be. It probably will be either CD or Pollard. It might end up being flatter than I'm thinking in my mind, but mm-hmm. I, I, I'm thinking it will probably be CD. Um, I don't know that we've really got a lot of variance in here you know uh, one way to get variance i think actually would be to go with uh a second tight end because i think there's gonna be such a high percentage of people going for kelsey that you're gonna have not many teams that have two tight ends now i yeah, don't know but, who the other tight end would be but i think you can it, make it an argument been, maybe not it, on this team be, i'm just talking yeah. high level here i do think that is a way you can get it it would be Kittle or Hawkinson. I mean, that's what we talked about the other day. I mean, yeah. you, know, you basically, you hypothesize that Elijah Mitchell comes back and erodes some of McCaffrey's usage. Debo Samuel will be even healthier. Or maybe Brock Purdy, you know, just craps the bed in the first round as a you know, six, you know, sixth, seventh round rookie in his first playoffs. And, you know, all of a sudden he turns into a pumpkin. And, you know, the team doesn't advance, in which case, you know, not having McCaffrey then becomes a huge, huge leverage on the field. Yep. Um, uh, or, you know, it, 
it, it might be easier in that regard, even though we like the Niners so much and think that they have Super Bowl upside, you know, maybe they do have the widest potential range of outcomes because of that relative inexperience at quarterback compared to the rest of the, uh, the rest of the playoff teams, you know, may, maybe Kittle over McCaffrey becomes the play and then you slide Eckler back in there at, at running back um, and you f- fill out the roster that way. Cause it, it, the Vikings I mean being the, th- being the three seed or are they actually the two seed here? I need to go back and look three at seed. the, they're the three seed. I mean, they're in a spot where, you know, they get a home game and it's just, you know, we like that matchup for Jefferson in round two. Um, if, if they play the Niners, maybe, maybe we just do one last layer of analysis here. Um, what is the C in the event that, that we go Kittle, right. Yep. And, 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 and the Niners end up being one and done. That's probably the path that we want um, to occur. If we're off of McCaffrey, what, what are the Seahawks looking like against opposing wide receivers and tight ends? Sure. So against top 48 wide receivers, the Seahawks have been the stingiest team. Actually, at every threshold, they have been the hardest matchup for opposing wide receivers. What about tight ends? At is it the tight, whole passing game that they're locking down? Or nope. Is at it- tight end, they've been more favorable, actually. So if we look at just simply tight ends, uh, eight-plus games, you have Seattle um, comes in at 12. If you look at top 24 average against Seattle since week 10, Seattle has been pretty darn favorable in comparison to a lot of teams. They rank in the top five. So, so I guess, I mean, I, I, I pose you this question then. I mean, it's this combination. I think that the, it ends up being a three player decision. So you can stick with McCaffrey pivot from Jefferson to Hawkinson, which then probably provides just that move alone probably provides huge leverage. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and then and then you have the freedom to select Eckler over Allen if you don't want to be, you know, if you don't want to be crazy there. Um, or, you know, we pick Kittle. You know, if if the Niners went all the way to the Super Bowl, you know, do you think that Kittle could outscore McCaffrey? No, no, no. Yeah. Even what, what if he's the high score in the Super Bowl though? Like, I mean, don't you see a scenario where, I mean, I mean, nobody's been scoring touchdowns like Kittle. Like if Kittle puts up two touchdowns in the Super Bowl and, you know, I don't know, he has six, you know, he goes like 692 or something like that in the Super Bowl and you get the double point scenario and McCaffrey doesn't get the touchdowns because Kittle gets them. You know, I think that with the Super Bowl being, and, and I think that's the other question too, is it's, it's, it's like if, if, if we had a Super Bowl situation and it, and it was a fourth game for a Niner, we know now that we've only gotten two games from Hertz, who was our quarterback, you know, do we already feel like the team's dead at that point? So, so, so I, I think really, and I guess I should rephrase the question Yeah. in a, in a three game scenario without Super Bowl bonus points, because we've picked Hertz in this lineup. Do we think that McCaffrey and is there any chance Kittle outscores McCaffrey in a three game scenario rather than a four with no bonus point situation? No, no, definitely okay. not. So, so then I think that we have to then it, it, it's Jefferson and it's Jefferson and Allen or it's Hawkinson and Eckler. 
Cause I think that what we're saying is we want to introduce some, we want to have some leverage at, in one of those two spots. I think that the you, lineup, yeah. I, I think that the Hawkinson and Eckler builds in more leverage. Okay. So, wow. Okay. That's fun. So let's, let's pivot off of Jefferson <laughs> here. I like it, man. I like I'm not, it. I'm not sure if you do, but I do. No, I'm good. I'm okay. totally good with it. I was I, I was talking about Hawkinson as an option in this lineup the other day. So it's, yep. it's kind of cool to do it. And I mean, the nature of this contest, man, you got to make tough decisions. You're choosing between a bunch of good players. You know, it's not like a draft snake draft where, you know, the player pool narrows down for you, you know, every single time uh, by a bunch of players. So so now we're now, Dave, we are at kicker and defense. And and I, I would argue that, you know, we just go by the 538 of the remaining four teams we have not selected from, we we select uh, a a roster spot from the teams with the highest um, probability yes. of advancing. Yep. Yep. So so that would be the Ravens and the Giants, with the Giants having a 33% chance of a win in the first round and the Ravens a 20% chance of a win in the first round. I think where I'm naturally going with this is let's look at the giants path just to cross. I want to check myself here, but so the giants go, they're on the road, but they're in a dome against Kirk cousins. We know Kirk has a tendency to implode. If the giants did a win, it wouldn't be hard to envision them having scored some defensive touchdowns and right. doing so. Right. And then they would, they would stay on the road, but you know, they could play rookie Brock Purdy in the second round. You know, I mean, that's the most likely yes, outcome. Yep. And so, uh, or, or no, 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 they would not do that. They're the sixth seed. Oh, the tournament reseeds. They right. would go to Philly. It's a right. division game. Right, right. It's a division game. Okay, I'm glad we're, we're talking through this. So they go, they go to Philly. Okay, um, and then you know, if we look at Baltimore's path, I mean, there's no, there's no chance that that Baltimore gets a third game. I mean, there's just none. So I kind of think like. You got Justin Tucker, you know, yep. you got the 50, the 50 plus yard field goals. I mean, I think Tucker is probably going to be the most used kicker for the same reasons that we're getting onto him. But, yep. um, you know, may, maybe That's there's fine. a scenario, maybe there's a scenario where people are picking like, you know, the Seahawks defense or the Buccaneers defense or, you know, something like that. And, uh, but at this actually, and as, as I'm talking through this, this is probably the chalk defense kicker combo, I think. Yeah, it probably is because immediately it's like my mind went there in a split second um, because it just does kind of make sense. I mean, if you look at like, you know, other other things people could be doing that maybe not are are not thinking through it at this level of detail. You know, if you're just looking in the FFPC uh, roster uh, building kind of applet here, I mean, the Giants do have the least points per game of the four remaining teams that we're talking about. I mean, Baltimore has 7.47 and, and Seattle has uh 6.76 in terms of like their projections for, for this week. Um, so, you know, maybe if people are just kind of going down the line there, but then when you look at the kickers, um, it's all very flat between Tucker Myers and, and Gano, um, right. all basically being at nine points, at least in this, um, and, and this tool on FFPC with, with Jason Sanders falling, you know, way behind, um, you know, about a point and a half behind the rest of the, the field there. So, so maybe, maybe I'm wrong there, you know, maybe, 
people will opt for uh, Graham Gano uh, in the dome um, against Minnesota. And instead of, of Tucker in Cincinnati where, you know, there could potentially be, you know, some rain and some wind. I, I don't know how much analysis people are putting into it yeah. or not. Do we want to go Giants and Tucker? Is yeah, that the let's decision? do it. Let's do it. Okay. Th- then I have a question for you. Okay. Shoot. Um, do you think that there are any teams in this tournament that are going to trot out Skylar Thompson at the quarterback spot? You want to talk about the ultimate pivot? No. No. At the quarterback At the spot? quarterback spot. You think there no. might be one team that tries it? I mean... Not that I not that I want to try it. I'm I'm. This is an actual an actual curiosity here. Oh, just a curious. I I mean, yeah. So, so prompt, so someone will probably put that team in. I mean, they're lighting two hundred dollars on fire, but yes. they they will probably do it. You know, I think. Okay, so let's read down the lineup, and then we can talk about our worries here, yep. and then maybe we can address those and and some of our other lineups. So we've got Jalen Hurts at quarterback, Christian McCaffrey and Travis Etienne at running back, Stephon Diggs and Ceedee Lamb at wide receiver. Austin Eckler, Jamar Chase, Chris Godwin, and TJ Hawkinson in the flex. Travis Kelsey at tight end. And then we've got Justin Tucker at kicker with the New York Giants team defense. You talk about potential worries. You know, I'm not really worried about what we've done in in the Baltimore Ravens situation here. Um, You know, I guess you could say, you know, hey, if they beat the Bengals, how would they beat it? You know, it would probably be the defense standing on its head and then handing the ball to to JK Dobbins like a million times. And so, you know, maybe there's a worry that putting Dobbins in your lineup um, and, and I I guess you would, you would in that situation, maybe fade a Buccaneers skill player. Um, Putting Dobbins in your lineup would be a way to get real leverage, but I just don't, I think it's more likely that the Ravens just really stink on offense in this game. Um, I, I think that the Bengals are are going to boat race uh, the Ravens, despite it being an, a third divisional matchup. It does worry me a little bit. The Dolphins on the road, like, you know, Tyree Kill in, in particular, it just doesn't feel good to leave him out of a lineup. And, like, right. actually we gave him no thought at all. <laughs> um, that That's probably the player that scares me the single player that scares me the most, but the situation that scares me the most is maybe the hard fade that we've taken on the Seahawks mm-hmm. because I mean, Gino's just been such, I mean, he's been such a, a consistent quarterback this year and you know, the Niners as good as they've been. And I think that they are object- objectively a better team than the Seahawks. You know, I don't think anyone would like really be that surprised given the Niners are trotting out Brock Purdy at quarterback. I don't think anyone would be that surprised if the Seahawks got the better of them finally um, in their third matchup this year. And if that's the case, you know, two games from the Seahawks with the way that they've really funneled their production to just a couple of wide receivers, I don't even know which one I would regret not having access to. But, you know, I think that almost worries me more than the Tyree kill situation. Cause I just think it's unlikely that with Skylar Thompson at quarterback, that any of the dolphins receivers could really stand on their head for two weeks in a row. Right. But if, if the Seahawks win, I mean, if the Seahawks beat the Niners, you know, I don't, I don't know. And if Jalen hurts, isn't really looking like himself. I mean, I don't know. Maybe the Seahawks could give the Eagles a challenge. Um, so I, I don't know. I think 
fading the Seahawks offense is probably what worries me the most, followed by fading Tyree Kill and then and then followed by not having access to J.K. Dobbins. Is, did I hit your pain points or is there any any other situation where you're like, hey man, if this lineup fails, it's because we didn't do X? No, I don't I don't think that there's really anything else there. Um the reality is no matter how you do this, you're going to be left with some of these thoughts just because that's the nature yeah. of how things go. I think the biggest worry yeah. for me is, but it's a, the way that we've designed it is good because we're, we were thinking through the scenarios of, all right, if we make this decision that is hinging upon that this happens and then how do we need things to work out if that happens? So with one of these thoughts, just being if Jalen hurts, it turns out, um, or maybe it's not even just him. Just if the Eagles, you know, don't go the distance here, then I think that we might have put ourselves in a spot to lose here. But, um, you know, it's just kind of the nature of the beast. So my, that that's really my biggest worry. The Tyree kill did worry me a little bit, but my level of confidence in Miami to be able to do anything, um, that would merit putting them into our lineup in a spot like wide receiver where there's a lot of other options is pretty low. Yeah, yeah. I I feel better hearing you agree with me on that. I guess it's just I'm never gonna I'm never gonna feel good in like any situation where I had the option of playing Tyreek or not. <laughs> just yeah. not putting him out there. It's it's tough. And I mean, you know, the thing is too, like, you know, the Bills have been really giving up some games to to the wide yeah. receivers. Well, so I think Tyreek was at twenty one point six points around there this year when two was in without him, he was at like 16 and in games where Thompson threw more than like eight passes, he was pretty low. Did, did Tua play in that week 15 matchup? I don't recall. I think, I, I think he was already out by then. I, I think that might've even been the first game that he was out. I can't say with certainty. Yeah. I'm going to look it up real quick. Cause now it's bugging me. Uh, because because the because the Bills allowed forty seven point four PPR to the Dolphins wide receivers in that game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now I'm having a, now I'm having a panic attack, Dave, at the end of the episode. No, here. no, no. There's there's absolutely um, no reason to absolutely. Well, actually, the only reason to worry about it is that you wanted to get a, a leverage type of play in there, and you were hoping to go with with Tyreek Hill. But had we gone right, with so, a leverage play, I would have tried to talk you into Raheem Mostert. Uh, okay, so two. <laughs> Tua did play in that game against the Bills. I'm just I'm misremembering okay. the end of the season. So yep. yeah, I think that's that's fine. He actually even played against the Packers. Um it looks like. So uh okay. Yeah, I think it's good, man. I I like the lineup. It's gonna be really fun. Um, you know, if you, you listened in, you know, hopefully hearing us talk through it puts you on some of the ways that you can approach um you know, building a roster by process of elimination through, you know, using, uh, you know, several different uh, uh, data points uh, on the field. Dave and I are definitely going to be playing multiple lineups. We're going to share at least two. And I know we've each entered a couple of these contests on our own as well. If you want to uh, dip your toes into the water, you got to check it out at myffpc.com. They have the $200 playoff challenge uh, for a huge, uh, an absolutely huge, uh, jackpot uh, this year of $500,000. And then you have the $35 option, which is the football guys playoff challenge at $35. And then I know um, if you're interested in the underdog contest, as we're kind of dividing and conquering the content uh, across the podcast network this week, um, you can listen in 
to several of Sean and Calm's podcasts on the underdog um, playoff offerings uh, on the channel as well. So be sure to check those out and best of luck this weekend and all postseason. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. 